0: listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Hardin, and today we're talking about Enneagram and relationship research with the CEO of Truity Assessments, Molly Owens. I am so excited for all things season three of this podcast because you guys are in for a treat. I'm going to be hearing more about your stories this season. So, Excited! I also want to let you know that today's episode is going to be fun too because we're going to be talking about Trudy's unveiling of their relationship test to help people to find areas of connection with their spouse or to help them even to find a partner. So we'll get to talking about that in a few minutes. We're gonna be talking about finding your spouse or partner through instinct, through type, through arrows, through some of the work we need to do. And I think you're gonna be really moved by what Molly has to share. You're gonna be intrigued along with us as we do more Enneagram research together. And thank you guys for your awesome feedback as we did the show before on research, and you just wanted more, so we've got it for you. So not only are we going to be talking research this season, but we're also talking, as I said, about your questions. I want you guys to let me know what questions you have about Enneagram and relationships because myself and my Enneagram and Marriage certification students are going to be coming on and conversing about your questions this season as well. So I've already started collecting some amazing questions from you guys and you can send them in MP4, Or if you want your voices heard, you can send them in anonymously with your type and your questions, or you can just send them in with your names and let us know if you want them shared as well. But we always want to let you know, when we do this kind of work with you, we are giving our small answer because we know your story is so much bigger than you could ever do in a short question but we still want to have fun with it and give some basic insights I think that's going to be a blast to do together I have always loved the Dear Abby column of old and we're going to just have to call this one Dear Krista my sister's name is Abby so um, I'm going to have to not call it Dear Abby that would be just too confusing but Dear Ian m or Dear Krista we're just so excited to get your questions about that and then don't worry for those of you who have panic button mode going on me not talking about your glow episode yet or your glow pairing yet on an episode I will definitely be covering more and more glow pairings but as you'll hear Molly say later today on the podcast some pairings are a little more out there in terms of wanting to be on a podcast or to be in the podcasting sphere already so I'm patient with you guys I'm not going anywhere with glow guides we'll talk about them today on the episode as well But I also want to let you know I have plans for one and six, two and eight, and others this season. So we'll be working with you on that and continuing to bring on some amazing guests. So excited and thankful for all these upcoming shows. And if you're new to this podcast, you can always revisit the old ones or if you have old standbys that you need to re-listen to because maybe you're walking through a season of life where you're like, oh, I didn't need that one before, but I think I could. We have episodes on pregnancy. We have episodes on walking through pregnancy loss. We have episodes for newlyweds. We have episodes where we talk about the different triads, all the different types, and so much more. So if you're not a past-focused type, that's leave six of us types who are not past-focused. Make sure you revisit the past. Even if you have to dub the speed to get through it, you might really find something that you need from those days. So So anyway, moving ahead, so excited for today's episode. And before we get to Molly, I just want to say hope you all have a good start to your year with your fall schedule. We are so excited that we are done with a crazy summer in this country and we're hoping for a good fall. But I say that with tongue in cheek, knowing we get what we get and it rains on all of us sometimes and we hope that covid will take a downturn and pray certainly but everybody be safe and do your best to not share your germs stay home if you're sick and also make sure that you're just thankful that you can stay home now with our new world that we have that capacity to do that so i'm sending mine out to different events and then we're doing some of our work at home still so you might hear me this season talking about act and sat prep because that's what I ended up getting uh, on the roster for and I'm excited that I also have somebody helping my daughter that is actually certified in that as I work with my Enneagram and marriage students on some deeper dive work so still teaching you'll hear these bits and pieces now and then but also just also enjoying my hubby being home for three days a week on his schedule. And he's having four grueling days in his medical work, but then he's getting three days recovery, which is really nice for him as a one to have a bit longer to decompress. So that's our life. I can't wait to hear about yours. I'll be viewing your stories on Instagram. Also remember, you can find me on Instagram so that you can be part of our fun research that we do on Fridays, or that you can just be part of our Monday through Thursday research where we talk all things Enneagram and growth and relationships up there as well. So other things this term to watch out for later, just a sneak peek, we're going to be launching our Enneagram and Marriage Glow Planners for your 2022. So look out for those around Black Friday and also be sure that you look out for the InterVarsity All Things Enneagram Conference where I'll be talking on relationships and just enjoying drinking in the amazing teachers over at University Press as they launch their virtual and in-person conference as well. But take it all in stride, and now we get to hang together with Molly and talk all about relationships, Enneagram, and just so much of what we love. So have your cup of coffee or tea with us, take a deep breath, and let's get started. Hey, Molly, I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Krista. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I am so glad because after our last episode on research, everybody had so many questions. It was so much fun. So here we are again. And how's it going for you guys at Truity? Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to hear it sparked some
1: questions. We really thought it was fun to do some more spherical research around the Enneagram. So since that's something that not too many people are doing yet, so that's really great that it was well-received. Um, we've been having a lot of fun with our Enneagram tests and doing research around it and recently launching an Enneagram quiz that's more based on partnerships. So that's been really
0: fun. Ooh, I cannot wait to talk about that with you. And so it sounds like my next question was, is Enneagram still a hot ticket? Sounds like it is. People are still loving the Enneagram test amongst all the biggies out there, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think the sort of more spiritual bent to it is really appealing to people right now. We're obviously all going through a really emotionally difficult time. And I think it's providing some clarity and kind of something to anchor to as we all have these questions in our lives.
0: Wow. And I see what you're saying because I think it's really helping people to say, okay, I have a route. I have a way I can grow and there is a place I can release spiritually. So, Yeah what a Mm -hmm. wonderful gift. So yay. Love to hear that. Yeah, And um, I've seen it a lot lately with others asking me to even share with them out in the celebrity space. So it's really been something that not only your massive amounts of testing you're doing, but I think it's hitting everybody males, Mm -hmm. females. Is that kind of how you're seeing it too? I think so. Our audience definitely skews
1: a little bit more female, but for sure it's, um, it, there is a balance there for sure. And I would love to hear more about celebrity types because I have a theory that they're all threes and sevens, but
0: that's probably oh not God. totally accurate. Well, you know, what's funny is the last two celebrities I talked to were both threes and okay. one of them was a three slash seven. And so that's <laughs> <funny. you> know. <laughs> it was three, seven, then two to be specific as far as their truity. Uh, it was so fun because they actually showed me their truity answers. I was like, oh, I love oh, truity. that's amazing. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. so you're reaching people all over too even if you don't know who right I love it yeah I know me too and I've noticed that my one and nine glow guide is the best seller and then mm. uh, I noticed that body types are showing up for me a bit more in buying the guides are you noticing any trends like that
1: Our users are pretty evenly balanced among the types. We do have a bit more nines. I think nine might be the more common type out there, or it could be that people who are just starting out with the Enneagram, maybe default to nine a little bit. I have heard it described as kind of the default type that if you haven't done a lot of exploration, you may kind of identify that way. So that could possibly be it. I also wonder about the one aspect. We did find that ones were the most likely to be in long-term relationships with our study. So it could be that ones are just there buying the guides, trying to find out how to be even better in their marriages.
0: Yeah, that's true. And then what was interesting about us finding out that the ones were the serial monogamous made me wonder if they were, and you know this data better than me, were they in the relationships the longest or were they just more likely to be in a relationship?
1: They were more likely to be in a long-term relationship okay. that had gone on for many, many years. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think we can, we can assume that they are in longer relationships, but with just that sort of one snapshot in time, that's kind of the, the factoid that we know.
0: Yes. And that's important to know for the ones and all types out there listening that we know you're still an individual, even as we research you guys, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So that's yeah. My daughters were studying their algebra one and two recently, and they were like, I'm so over this median, mean, and mode. I've got that like the back of my hand and I'm like, you know, but that's a good (laughs) reminder for me girls. So thanks for sharing that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's always important when you look at research to just remember that it is an average, we get a lot of feedback that's like, you know, well, I'm this type, but this stat doesn't really work for me. And that way, you know, it's just a stat. It's, you know, you could take it with a grain of salt, take it for what it's worth for you. But Mm -hmm. obviously, you're a unique individual. And it doesn't mean it's sort of your destiny.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. That is so important, especially for those who don't like to be boxed in. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. we want the fluidity. We want the tri-type. We love that your test gives us multiple layers to look at and your added bonus features on your deeper test also helps us to see ourselves in these different windows. And therefore it's, it's like, yeah, our trance of our type already keeps us kind of locked in, but what's nice about uh, your work is you're helping people to get healthier as you give them the tips.
1: Yeah, we really wanted to show the flow of the Enneagram because I think that's one of the most fascinating and useful aspects of it. So we do score people not just on their sort of top type, but also how built out their wings are, how easy it is for them to access both of those wings and also those sort of childhood points and growth points, um, looking at those and um, getting a feel for how easy it is
0: for them to move between those as well mm oh, and I love it for relationship work. I can't thank you enough. It is such a gift to be able to say even to clients that I have who I have seen for years who really didn't start with me doing Enneagram work just to even mm-hmm. insert just a minute like I did this morning uh, with an elderly couple about how, yeah, like let's look at his competency. He's five ish. And Mm -hmm. just to be able to give people little roadmaps within the work they're already doing in their life can shift them so much. So thank Mm -hmm. you. And this is so fun that we are starting out season three with a really cool new test that you have out also about relationships, which type is your love match. So (laughs) I love this. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, absolutely. So we like
1: you, we saw that one of the most powerful uses for Enneagram was in relationships and understanding those aspects of your partner that can really be volatile or can also be very rich. Um, So, and we also heard just a lot of chatter and interest in the idea of Enneagram and compatibility. I always get my hair set on edge a little bit when somebody starts talking about personality and compatibility, because the truth is there's no set formula. You can't say I'm a four, so I should be with a seven. That's just not how it works. We have Mm -hmm. so many complexities in how we choose the person we want to be with and who we're attracted to. My first priority was that we did not make a test that had preconceived notions about who you should be with. Mm -hmm. So our quiz um, interacts with you by asking you how this person, this sort of imaginary person or ideal person Mm -hmm. interacts with you, what they bring to their relationship, what are their sort of key behaviors that you can pick out. And it can be you can use a frame of reference of people that you have been with, um, and hopefully happy with, or just what you envision when you see yourself in a happy relationship. But you take that your ideas about who you want to be with, and those attraction factors. And then we help you then organize that into basically the Enneagram framework. So if what attracts you to what attracts you to people is that emotional intensity and that individuality, then we are able to say, you know, I think you're looking for a four, or if it's all adventure and excitement and you want somebody who's kind of up and is going to keep you going, then maybe you're looking for a seven.
0: Mm. Wow. What a valuable tool for people looking to date. Oh my word. Well,
1: hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea is that it sort of helps you get all of that kind of down on paper and, and give you a useful way and structured way to think about it. We're also finding that people in relationships are taking it and then kind of identifying maybe what attracted them to their partner, or maybe even what they're missing in the current dynamic of their relationship.
0: Mm, Oh my gosh. I want to talk to you all about this. This is fascinating. Oh my goodness. Are you getting a lot of people to take the test?
1: We are. We're getting some traffic through. Yep. We're just sort of starting to promote it. So we're hoping for hopefully some of your, your uh, mm-hmm. listeners will want to take it and come through and give us their feedback as well.
0: Oh, I think so. This is really going to be intriguing for people listening. And also, I want to say, just for those that are seeking a mate, that sometimes we even have one vision in our heads of what we, or our hearts, or our bodies of what we really think we want. Like when we watch a movie and then we're like, oh, he's the best. And then when you actually probably, like you're saying, really start to finely tune what you're looking for, you might be surprised wow, the person I'm most compatible with isn't the one. I thought I wanted.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can have sort of idealized visions of sort of what a, a good partner is. But in those attraction factors, one on one, that's not what we look for. Um, so the the quiz kind of and just my exploration really helped me to identify, for me, that kind of calmness and steadiness is a factor that I'm really attracted to. Um, and I wouldn't have said that sort of just off the top of my head, I would have listed, you know, sort of, intellectual connection and all sorts of other things. But I think through this Enneagram exploration, I just realized that, um, as a four, what's really valuable to me is to have that kind of evenness coming from my partner.
0: Mm, And that is so key knowing that you had even just, like you said, it's not all fours that are going to want this, but you Mm -hmm. had looked at your nuances and you are married to a nine. So that is really cool. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. And so sometimes what we think we want isn't what we actually need. So everyone listen to that too, because we just get those ideals. But I especially as you being a four and me being a seven, we can really be in our ideals and and we need to be practical. What would actually be helpful and healthy? Badly. And I hopefully this is an opportunity
1: taking this quiz is an opportunity to interrogate kind of what you're attracted to. And is this working for me? Am I playing out a dynamic that I don't want to continue to play out? Or is this something that really I want to keep going with?
0: Ooh, that's a really good question. That And I, if I ask a should question, I know you can't tell us like yes or no, black and white, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what do you think about somebody saying in general to the person they're dating, would you take this test? I think as long as you leave it
1: sort of open-ended and are open to any sort of answer, you know, from I couldn't care less and I don't want to <laughs> waste the time to, yes, I'd love to, mm-hmm. I think it's fine. And also if they do take it, to use it as a starting point for a dialogue. You don't wanna, you know, send it to somebody you met on a dating app and depending on the results, you say, nope, I'm never gonna meet you. Um, (laughs) You know, if you're a little bit closer with someone and you wanna have that conversation, um, get to know each other a little better, I think it can be a great kind of interaction exercise and a way to talk about who you are and what you need and what you look for in a relationship. Mm,
0: yeah, I do too. And I think being an aggressive, assertive type, I'd probably it's lucky that I'm already married because I'd probably be the one to send out that I will not be seeing you if you're this. Type. <laughs> That's so wrong. And just so I'm glad you said that. Like people don't overdo this. It's anyway, the interviewing is part of the story too. And you know, you're just helping people not to put others into that box and just write them off immediately upon hearing their type. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And
1: tests are really most accurate when somebody takes it and kind of sits with the information and has the opportunity to say, no, I, I think, you know, it put me here, but I think I'm a little bit more here. You know, it's a great starting point, but you don't want to say this is the be all end all.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. We've all seen that. I mean, especially in my field, I've seen it, I've done it where you're almost just over the top with how you label somebody as a type and you're just trying to be scientific. And I'm actually married to somebody who really appreciates the science of it, but Mm -hmm. either one of us could be overwhelmed if we always were throwing out numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And it's, yeah, it's best as a process and a conversation with yourself and with other people so that you get to kind of grow through it and even say, you know, I'm this type, but I also identify with, Aspects of this type, or this is the wing that I kind of feel like I'm leaning into now. So, so it's kind of embrace all the, the complications around it, I think is really important.
0: Ooh, that's a really good point, too, that you would want to make sure as you're learning, say you're already married and you're taking this test and you're getting the result, and maybe it's a different type than your spouse's. I hear you saying, look for wings, look for arrows. Is that kind of something you've been telling people to see, like see new ways you can make a connection together? Yeah. So I
1: think if you, uh, if you did take it and your spouse is not the type that you got, I think that's the time to kind of look backwards and think about those attraction factors for you and what you saw in your spouse mm-hmm. that maybe maps mm-hmm. to what you're thinking about now. I can speak from personal experience. My husband took it and got seven as his ideal time, mm-hmm. <laughs> So, you know, plenty of opportunity to despair.
0: But I think... <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I, I didn't even have West because I would have gone there too. So yeah, but you're like I have to. <laughs> but it
1: makes a lot of sense. I think um, you know I do have some seven in me. I can be very kind of hedonistic and adventurous and active. And I think it's good for me to know that that was part of the attraction. Um, I think it makes sense, and it it helps me to understand. You know, if we do want to kind of grow closer or grow our relationship? What might work for him in terms of kind of keeping that adventure alive?
0: Ooh, I just love that, especially because, you were talking about how you're married to a nine and you were saying maybe a lot of people are nines. And we know that this is all theoretical, but Mm -hmm. with that being said, it really can help a nine in particular to get to know what they even like to where their spouse usually is coming into coaching or counseling or the relationship saying, I don't know. And then the nine is often saying, I don't know. And Mm -hmm. so it's neat for you to have something to put some legs on and say, you know what, when I'm in that joyful space in my tri-type, wow, we really connect well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That can be a great way to kind
1: of get your nines preferences out of them in a sneaky way.
0: (laughs) Yes, I was doing some deeper Enneagram work with my students, and we were talking about the Freudian use of the Enneagram with the id, the ego, and the superego. Mm. And we were looking at the four, and we were looking at how the four has access to the adult part of the brain and the superego part of the brain, but not a lot of access to the child part, the id. And so, mm. what's funny about that is that because you guys have a three wing, and the three is it led, uh, like seven and eight. Um, it's really fun to think, ah, leaning on my three wing. I can be more assertive. I can be out there. And that's probably so catchy for your nine, right? That's so interesting. I had not
1: heard that interpretation before. I'd love to learn more about that, but that sounds fascinating. It kind of resonates with my experience for sure. Yeah. And I think it is important to remember that we do have all these aspects that we can lean into. We can see what works best for us and what works best for our relationship.
0: Yeah. I like that too. And I think that when I find the little pockets for couples where they do relate, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm seeing that this six is so underdeveloped for you guys. Or the reason I noticed that one time with my husband, when he couldn't relate with me in a certain way, I was like, that's not part of his tri-type. It's not part of his wings. It's not part of his arrows. Mm-hmm. And, and yet here it is in me. And so it was helpful for me to say, <laughs> oh, this is why he can't relate. And it was kind of funny. And lessened my angst. Cause as you said, you have some seven in you, I have some four in me, so I can spend a lot of time in lament. And then it's mm-hmm. so important for me to rise up in gratitude of all my partner is all we are together. And then even like you said, now we're noticing what we could be together. So that's the potential that we can bring from this test.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the real lessons of being in a relationship is understanding where you can meet and work together, where you're both sort of on the same level and you both have some. Um, Ability to kind of go there and then where you're more yin and yang, you know, this is more my area. And, you know, I sort of don't expect to include you in it. I'll take care of it. You take care of your thing. But understanding, you know, where we all are and that, you know, we don't always have the capability to meet each other halfway on everything, but that's okay. That's why you're in a relationship. You don't want to have to do everything.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. What a good reminder right there. And like, <laughs> Hey, that's where self-care might come in. Like, mm-hmm. you know, me being a seven, I'm like, Wes, aren't you going to do it all? Like I thought somebody was going to take care of me. And it's like, no, that might be your belief is nobody would take care of you, but it doesn't mean your spouse is going to do all of that. You still right. have to show up and do a lot and work hard every single day as an individual and right. get your Excellent. own self-care. So yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of thinking specifically just to be clear of sort of the that six mode, I think I'm much, it's much easier for me to go into that kind of disaster planning, long range planning, you know, where should our money be invested in case the stock market crashes kind of thing. And my husband is not, it's one of his sort of arrows, but very much something that he has not grown into yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just can sort of consider that to be my job at this point (laughs) and I can do it. That's fine. I'll check the investments. Um, And he takes care of the stuff that he's much better at.
0: Oh, what a good reminder for those listening who are thinking like, "Oh, because we're doing this in this field that we and our spouses have our era work completely done." Um, it's just like, <laughs> no, I'm working on my basic passions and fixations every day, you know. And, mm-hmm. and your husband is like, "Hey, this isn't even my field, probably, right?" I'm assuming. <laughs> No, he's an artist, so this is not his field at all. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So that's neat for all of us to remember together that as we start out this new season of this podcast and life, just this journey. One of the things I want to remind you of is get yourself care and do your work. Even if your spouse is like, yeah, I like developing this aspect. I'm working on my nine right now. I'm working on my eight right now. And maybe they don't use Enneagram language, but you see them doing some work. Mm -hmm. That's cool. You don't have to have them doing everything all at once.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We have to remember that our spouses go through their own individual growth path. So what we think maybe they should be working on or what we'd like them to work on is maybe not their path.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really important. And we also love looking at the instinctual variants as we uh, had done a lot of on season two of this podcast, just to say like, are we leading socially? Are we leading in the one-to-one or big energy sexual area, or are we leading with our self-preserving instincts? Um, So I think that that's even a piece of what we look for in a partner is somebody a little bit different from us. Did you guys do that? You and your hubby?
1: I think so. And I agree with you. I think we look for someone who balances us. I think there's that sort of exoticism of someone who knows how to do things or is just sort of instinctually driven to treat things in a way that we really don't know how to do. So if we're somebody who forgets to eat, we may be attracted to somebody who's, you know, cooking all the time has always got snacks in the fridge, um, and has that more self-pres instinct. Or if we. You know we just don't know how to organize a party we just can't get our heads around it um it's really super attractive if somebody is kind of a big entertainer with a wide circle of friends so i think we do kind of instinctively look for balance on the sexual instinct i kind of think that maybe sexual instinct people are attracted to each other but i have no evidence of that, so <laughs> <laughs> another test perhaps <laughs> exactly exactly
0: no seriously that is so fun because Yeah, that is like, I think that's probably the hardest thing about my marriage, as well as the most wonderful is that piece, which makes us both white knuckle it a lot and Mm -hmm. say, oh my gosh, how could you be this much of this? But truly what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. And you, I something in me also thinks that we, we sit there and say to ourselves, and this is so subconscious, but I think we say, I want to conquer the person who's most different from me, Mm -hmm. maybe to prove my worth, maybe to find out if uh, I can do it. If we're more aggressive, it depends on our stance and our type and our triad. But does that make sense? Just that deep drive. It does. Yeah. And I think it's interesting you say for you, it's about conquering that
1: different person. I think for me, it's kind of fun about finding that surrogate. So I'm emotionally volatile, but being with someone who's very calm kind of gives me that safe space that I can't create for myself. So mm-hmm. I do think maybe everyone phrases it a little bit differently, but we do look for what we see missing in ourselves and our partner's.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And that's a really, yeah, that's a great lens to look at even your test with, I think is, wow, take this and see what might be missing in you. And you Mm -hmm. might even find something fascinating. Like what if it's one of your arrows that's missing and you see it and you're like, I'm, I'm a nine and I'm not going to my six. Ironically, it looks like I need a six. Like (laughs) (laughs) it could be really, I think insightful, but yeah, I do that with Wes and something that's kind of strange about us in terms of the conquering is I really get, like I said, struggle with the fact that he's so different, but I think I require it also just with my I'm difficult. So, and I tell people (laughs) that like, I know I do this podcast and I love couples work, but I don't think I'm easy to be married to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really appreciate that he helps to titrate me And my big energy, and then I kind of fall down in withdrawal in five space. And I take that seven, five, seven, five as a ping pong. And don't always go to the one space and he's, and that's my arrow work and he's Mm. a one Mm -hmm. and him bringing that in consistently into my life has helped me to become a more one ish seven. And people often thought like my first clinical supervisor thought I was a one because I did the big policy and procedure manual. That was 300 or 500 pages, Mm. something big for an accreditation. And she's like, you're to the letter. And I'm like, that is not me. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that, that kind of dress. interesting? <laughs> yeah, like that's my spouse he rubbed off on me. His <laughs> our glow together is like yeah, getting to me and now I'm perfectionistic. But anyway, I'm just grateful because he brings in these dynamics that I just resist so much. And there's mm-hmm. something about me not being able to conquer him. That's very attractive, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we do choose people who kind of push us in directions that maybe
1: we don't want to go or we don't realize we want to <laughs> go, but we need <laughs> yes. to go.
0: Yes. And that's fascinating to me about you saying you wanted somebody to help you to feel safer in your own mm-hmm. skin. Yeah, I think it's that lack of
1: intensity, actually, that nines have that I found attractive. Although, like I said, I would never have said that, but I think (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also I dated an eight for a while when I was younger. And while it was interesting and I could see how, you know, we had a lot of energy, it was just too much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's, again, that question of balance. If one person just has a lot of turmoil if you both have a lot of turmoil, it's, it, you know, you end up feeding off of each other. Um, so I think it's that, like I said, that yin and
0: yang. Mm, yeah, me too. And the ones who both have turmoil, we do kind of get along in that one way of like Wes and mm-hmm. I say that a lot. where We're like, your family's a lot. And they were like, your family's <laughs> a lot. And they were like, I know. <laughs> so like, always have to laugh at the end of that and cry, but it's like, we don't either like one of my good friends said that to us when they were visiting and they were like, you guys as extended families are a lot. And it's like, if it would have just been one of you, it would have been really hard on you. Mm -hmm. Um, But because it was both, you were able to trek in and kind of do what you could and set your boundaries where you could. But what I love that you're bringing in is that also for those who are very opposite, where I see this in couples work, sometimes one has a lot of trauma and the other one doesn't sometimes Mm. that one that doesn't feels a little begrudging when they say, ah, like you came in with all this junk and I didn't have that. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's a blessing because they can lift when one falls down, the other can bring them back up, but it's also, it's, it's a new challenge and it's almost a new outreach and a new ministry for them. Does that make Mm. sense?
1: It does. Yeah. And I can see how it would feel a bit overwhelming for the person who doesn't have those experiences and isn't connected with that to be in a relationship. But I think it's really interesting to see two people like that connect. And I wonder what drew the person without the trauma to mm-hmm. the other, to the partner? Was it a sense that they wanted a little bit more depth in their emotional experience or a little bit more of just that Sort of authentic experience. Because sometimes people who are have been through that kind of thing and are able to talk about it, their way of seeing the world and discussing their emotions can be a bit richer because they have been forced to engage with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just had a friend who hasn't had any trauma go through something deeper. And I was talking to Wes about it because they shared it with us. Uh, and I was reflecting on that exact point that this is really hard to hear that they've had to finally have something hard like this but now they're they're really entering this space of woundedness and they're going to be able to connect with the world in the world's pain even more but i also hear you saying that about that spouse and that's an encouragement if you're that partner in a relationship with somebody with trauma and here you are you're married you have kids you're not looking for a divorce but you're wondering how am i going to go on and i think it's a great reminder but when we think about where, why people pick somebody like that. I often think that just because somebody has trauma doesn't mean they're not functional in the world. So sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't know, like Wes and I had a lot of trauma, but we were very functional in the world. Mm -hmm. And then of course there's stuff that comes out, but but with some of the people who haven't had any trauma, and this is a great debate too, that we mentioned a lot on season two is can somebody who has not had trauma really lead well, if, if you haven't been touched, should you be in leadership? And sometimes we say no to that. And I go back to Mark Twain's Prince and the Popper because there's some examples of that, but. Also, Christ, of course, you know, mm-hmm. uh, being able to have compassion because of the suffering, even more people take a lot of comfort in that. Mm-hmm. But I guess I, I think of those people who haven't had the trauma, and I say, you know, I think this is an opportunity for you to really go deeper. If that mm-hmm. makes sense,
1: it does. Yeah, and I kind of flashed back to my training with Bee Chestnut. Somebody asked was sort of funny. Everyone laughed. What, you know, what Enneagram type are you if you haven't had any trauma? Because it's all about kind of how you were, how, what touched you as a child and, you know, what you were forced to leave behind because what, you know, whatever was traumatic for you. And B said, I really don't think there's anyone who doesn't have some sort of trauma and your type comes from how you interpret that. So, I wonder if people who say, I don't have any trauma, I can't relate to this at all, um, if they haven't sort of accessed the level of themselves that is a little bit more about pain and disappointment and suffering. Because I do think everyone goes through that to some extent. Um, Obviously, not everyone has something that, um, you know, not everyone has a shocking story or a really painful story, but everyone has, you know, a story of feeling unloved or feeling left behind or feeling excluded. Um, and I think sort of tapping into that is important for everyone.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good reminder. Even if you are that person who says, I don't know that there's much it's maybe you're an others focused nine or a two or somebody who hasn't had time in your thoughts to really explore the ways that you've been hurt. I had a two uh, acquaintance say to me about five years back, she said, oh my gosh, maybe my daddy wasn't perfect. (laughs) And it was somebody who had left when she was a little girl. And had other redeeming qualities, but it was really surprising for me to hear her say that. And it was really an important um, awakening moment for her to walk out of an addiction. Um, Mm. So I really invite you if you haven't done any work or don't think you have trauma, I'm glad Molly mentioned that to really uh, begin the journey of healing and to know you're worth it to take that time out for you to do that work. And uh, interestingly, Don Riso's old work, I know he's the late Don Riso and we're grateful for the work he's done, um, has mentioned at points that type nine, maybe also didn't have as much trauma, but to, to speak back to you and be what is fascinating. There is they might be that type who has not connected with it.
1: I mm-hmm. mean, I, I, I find that people who say my childhood was great. I love my parents. They love me. Everything was fine. The people I know who I've gone a bit deeper with, there actually is stuff that Some people would find very upsetting and some people would go to a therapist and say, I need to be here for a year to work through this, but it's just the way they frame it in their heads. And I do think nines are more likely to say that because they haven't connected with their own emotions about what's happened to them. And maybe they don't even want to deal with it. And that's fine. Um, It's not an imperative for people to dig into that Mm -hmm. painful stuff. But I think that awareness that we probably all have some stuff. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. And to give each other permission to that, because us sevens, twos, and nines being the positive outlook group, sometimes we do test out the waters a little bit with people to say, here's our stuff. And I've even had a four recently tell me, you know, I'm just going to keep thinking about you happy. (laughs) It's like Okay. You know, because I was sharing something I had been through tough and I realized, you know what? not only do I like that she can idealize me a little bit, even after mm-hmm. I share this crap with her, but what I also <laughs> like was that I was like, yeah, I'm a seven. I just want to stay there too. You know, like we right. can bounce down if we're positive outlook people, but we don't want to stay down for too long. That doesn't feel safe to us. So between all of us and our communities, it's like, I want to just say to everybody, let's give ourselves per- permission to go deep and let's give ourselves permission to rise again.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 It's up to you and where you think you want to go to grow. But I would say that if you're in a couple and your partner is kind of exploring some trauma, it's definitely helpful to start to think about how you might connect with your own because it's going to make you more empathetic with them.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a really good tip for couples out there. And we had one, three and seven on last season that said, I also like to go to my partner's therapy appointments so that we can do the work together and then Mm. come out of the work together. And I thought that was really creative.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's really sweet.
0: Yes. So, and we really want to encourage couples that we have already, and I love that Molly and I are partnering on this, have our glow guides up at Molly's site at Trudy as well. So you guys can find out about your pairing as we know, all sevens aren't with ones and all fours are not with nines. And we have all the types up there, right, Molly?
1: We do. And we're so excited to host that. We're so excited to feature your content on our site. You have such deep experience with Enneagram and couples and to have those super in-depth guides for each of the type pairings is going to be really valuable, I think, because there's not a ton of content out there explaining how each type pairing kind of matches up on their strengths and their weaknesses. So this is really unique and we're really happy to make it available to people.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. And I love that there's different free content bits here and there, but What I often hear people saying in social media circles that have a lot of products and get a lot of sales is they say, and I always have to remember this. They're like, you know, it's great to go search in little pockets of places, but when you can get something all in one setting, it just makes your life a whole lot easier. So I think that Mm -hmm. was my go-to for the glow guides was let's just give it to them right here all together concisely, or if they don't want to get one, they don't have to, but I love that we did that. And I didn't take it out of just what I found. In fact, I was purposeful not to look into what other people were saying, because having had all this, this experience with all these different couples and doing all the research with the Instagram as well, there was plenty of data to just use on what I already knew personally. So yeah, my yeah, favorite that it, it's not going to be where you find exactly cookie cutter, what you find elsewhere.
1: Right. Yeah. And I love that. Um, I think Not only when you when you're sort of out on the Internet picking up bits and pieces, not only is it kind of fragmented, but you don't really know about the authenticity of it or the authority of the person who's writing it. Whereas with your guides, we know you're a therapist. We know you've gone deeply into the Enneagram. You know what you're talking about. So, you know, people readers take that with a sense of authority.
0: Oh, well, thank you. And I love that. I know that about you as well, that you have your background and your studies are in clinical psychology and that you've continued to use your research gifts to share this light in the world. So I'm just so thrilled that we have been able to partner together in this. And I love Bee chestnuts work. I'm part of their CP Enneagram masterclass. So I'm continuing to learn and do my work with you guys all too. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you.
1: We're really excited to have those glow guides. We're hoping to kind of spread the word a little bit more and really help people dive deeply into the Enneagram to grow their relationships.
0: Yes. And I am so grateful for having you on today. Tell us where we can grab this awesome test as well, because we really want to know where we can find this test. Now, everyone's just curiosity is piqued. Yeah, absolutely. So it's on our website. We'll drop a link in the um, podcast
1: notes so that your visitors can get straight to the quiz. Yes. Uh, But if you go to our website, truity.com, you can find it there as well.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, as always, thank you so much for your amazing insight about the depths of Enneagram and research, Molly. My pleasure. Thank you
1: so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely, Oh man, I'm so happy that we got to talk about these particular slants of Molly's test and to be able to just think with you guys through that and with her. That was a real gift. I hope you're feeling that with me that we have some hope for our relationships as we always need that and love that to have that bit of replenishment as we meet together weekly here on the show and we think about our stresses but also the ways that we might turn and move a little bit more toward each other and I hope you heard me inferring that when I'm doing that dance with Wes, where I really enjoy him not being overtaken by me, that's the pursuer, or distancer or dance. And I can come on pretty strong. So I love it when he plays with me and he comes on strong and then I pull away. And that is an important move to do in your marriage so that neither one of you is ever too overwhelming because for both him and I, that's not very attractive to feel overwhelmed. And there are a few of you out there, the The heart pairings sometimes that do enjoy that. But for most people that I've worked with, that is something that they enjoy is a bit more of the play. So play together, have fun, have lots of romance. I hope that this season we have a really good time continuing to learn and grow together. For now, have a great week. Go over to Truity and check out all the fun things over there in this new test. And I'll see you guys soon. Bye.